everybody. Welcome John Favreau. I thought I was on the intro. God, Tim. Fabs, thanks for coming. Uh, thanks for having me. What'd you I'm think, what'd you think the, about uh, that? The budget deficit conversation. Yeah, what'd you think? Simpson Bowls? Can we talk about or, sequestration? Did pro or nay on Simpson Bowls? Does that, does that come up very much on Podcast Love America? A, in fact, we talked about it today. Really? Yeah. The Simpson oh, yeah. Bowls? We went way back to 2011. Yeah, were you pro about, that yeah, or were you anti? Where were you on Simpson Bowls? Uh, anti. This is that's the nice Love thing them. about... I'm so excited about this John Favreau interview because he's had... Me on Pod Save America a few times, a couple times, and uh, keeping it sixteen hundred maybe a couple times. Yeah. And he said Sarah on Sarah's on today, so you guys will be able to hear that on yesterday. Friday or yeah. yesterday. Is yeah, it today's already? pod. There's tomorrow. There's no, today. it's out right now. Sarah he hasn't had JVL because nobody invites JVL to anything. Probably because he dresses <laughs> like he's taking the trash out. Uh, be nice to like, JVL. I mean, where did what year did you buy those jeans in? Like honestly, he's a father of four. You got me Honestly, out of the is that house. Nineteen ninety nine. I pair flew of jeans? across the country to be with people. Okay, anyway, um, <laughs> but, but over all that time, like cool. you know, Favreau gets to like ask me, people like me and Sarah just like mean questions about all of our past mistakes and all this. And now the tables get to be Uh-oh. turned, which I'm very, which I'm very excited about. But. Um, I want to start first uh, with, I want to hear from both you and Sarah a little bit. You got one thing in common. You both have been doing focus groups. Sarah's focus group podcast is excellent. Yours is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and so I was just kind of curious to get like a little, a little Frank Luntz's here on stage. <laughs> like, I guess you get to go first. Like what, uh, you know, getting outside of your bubble, your Hollywood bubble, like what was your big takeaway? Like what do you change your view on after hearing from the people? Uh, well, first thing, it will it depresses the hell out of you doing a focus group. Yeah, I don't know sorry. if you feel the same way. Uh, I love Sarah people. Doesn't. She I loves love people. Oh, I love the people too, but it depresses you because people hate politics. That's the thing that you learn, and um, no one is paying attention to anything that we're paying attention to. And even if you don't think you're a news junkie, most people, most voters in this country, are still paying attention to much, much less than than you are. So. Um, all the shit that we talk about, that we obsess over, it's not, it doesn't really break through. Um, we're, meaningless. Everything we're doing is meaningless. Just completely meaningless. Right. Um, the voters I talked to in the, in the lead up to the 22 midterms, they were sort of really upset with the direction of the country, not happy with Joe Biden, very upset about inflation. Once the Dobbs decision came down, very upset about the Dobbs decision. Uh, and these were all sort of swing voters of varying demographics. But, and this should have been telling, after they would say things like, Joe Biden's not doing great, not happy with the Democrats, whatever, then I'd say, so you're going to maybe vote for Herschel Walker? And I'd be like, no, fuck no, that's crazy. I'm not voting for Herschel Walker. Uh, you're going to vote for, for Dr. Oz? No, that's nuts. I'm not going to do that. So the, the extremism of the Republican candidates really was a factor. CJ Bill. And... Uh, and a lot of these people, you could tell that they actually wanted to vote for a Republican candidate because they were so unhappy with Biden and the Democrats, but they were just sort of way turned off by the options that they was had. Was there anything in particular, though, from those negative feedback from the swing voters that made you think, boy, we're really fucking up? Because it's not any, like, it's interesting. I talked to um, uh, Biden-Yunkin voters in Virginia, and so I wanted to dig in on critical race theory and Youngkin's education platform and all that. 
And every single voter who would cast their ballot for Yunkin, and they had been Biden voters before, said that they voted for Yunkin despite his critical race theory bullshit. <laughs> and they thought it was crazy. And that the reason that they voted for him is because they just didn't like Terry McAuliffe. And they were unhappy with the direction of the state, and they didn't think Terry was a great governor, and they wanted to give Glenn Youngkin a chance because they thought that maybe he was a little bit more moderate. But I talked to them like three or four months into his administration, and they're like, now he seems much more extreme than we thought he was going to be when we voted for him. Shocker. Which I thought was kind of interesting. Who could possibly have guessed? Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) What was interesting, though, is those voters, after talking to them, I thought they were more likely to vote for Joe Biden again in 2024, these people who had voted for Glenn Youngkin, than the the two groups I worried the most about was I talked to working-class Latinos in Vegas, and I talked to moderate black voters between 20 and 30 uh, in Atlanta, and they were extremely down on not just politics in general, but the Democratic Party. Joe Biden didn't have much love for Republicans, but basically the feeling is just, no one's paying attention to me. No one's paying attention to my problems. Nothing ever changes. We keep voting. Uh, I don't notice a difference in my life. Struggling with inflation, struggling with crime. And um, I don't even know why I bother anymore. And so that, and these are all people who had voted for Joe Biden. Yeah. So uh, that to me is a big warning uh, heading into 2024. Possible that really, or possible that was an impact in 2022, right? I mean, honestly, like there was a depression of I, I, nobody really talked about this because the Democrats had a good night, but but the turnout of like the base Democratic voters, with the exception of young voters, like wasn't that good, right? Like the pr- proportion of Black voters was down, proportion of Latino voters was down. Like the Democrats won because of young voters basically and cucks, our people. Thank you. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I will say right? too, even the even the young voter story, like it got it's a little very oversold. yeah, it's it's been a little oversold. Yeah. Like we, there was definitely it was better than. 2014, which is the worst year for young voters for the Democrats. Um, but it was down from 18. It was down from the midterms, the youth vote. Yeah. And um, so I think, and I talked to young voters in Orange County, and they, that was another group that was just like outraged about Dobbs, like very progressive in the values that they talked about. But then I was like, so you're going to vote in the midterms? And the woman sitting next to me goes, what's a midterm? And she, and she was a Biden voter. She had like come out to vote for Joe Biden and didn't know what a midterm was. So there's a lot of, wow. uh, a lot of issues. Uh, great work there uh, with the DNC, <laughs> DCCC. <laughs> nice job. Um, uh, vote Save America. I did, I, you know what? I did get her to register. Yeah, she, I, she went to vote. Oh, okay, vote. great. Go, great work. That's one. Yeah. Um, Sarah? Uh, your focus groups, much more extensive than John's and, uh, <laughs> more well done. Any, what, I, I'm just curious, like, like what, I never really asked you, like, at the macro level, like, I, I, I guess I have from the period of when you started them, right, your big takeaway was kind of like learning more about where the MAGA folks were, but that since then, you know, w- like, what have, do you think of your biggest macro level learnings been and, and are they different from what John just laid out? They're not that different. Um, I like talking to jo- I like talking to other people who do focus groups because it reinforces the fact that we are hearing generally the same thing from voters. And the number one thing that surprised me is like how many stories we obsess over in Washington that like they have no like I, I remember um, I was talking about this on on Pod Save yesterday, but and this is a recent one where Kevin McCarthy the it, they he is it is in the the J Mart book. 
that Kevin McCarthy said Trump should resign. He was going to tell him to resign. And then Kevin McCarthy puts out a statement that says, I didn't say that. And then Jmart drops the tape of Kev- the audio of Kevin McCarthy saying, uh, you know, I'm going to ask him to resign, right? The, so I don't know, whatever. This blows Washington up. It's all we're talking about is, could Kevin McCarthy resign over this? Is he done? What will happen? And I had a focus group that night, and I was like, what do you guys think about the Kevin McCarthy news? And they were like, I have no idea what you're talking about and who's Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> like, it's just like, and I mean, I remember at the first time it happened, I was That's in a- blissful, I'm actually. Just, I'm jealous. Well, you know what? Honestly, this is, this is why I, I mean, good for people. Yeah. Good for people that they oh. are living their lives and not obsessing about there. politics. I don't, I don't hold that again. I don't think that's a drawback or bad about people. I, I, was, I was doing a group in Pittsburgh the night before the first January 6th hearing. And I was like, is anyone going to be watching the hearings this week? And they're like, what? I'm like, the, the hearings, the January 6th hearings. And they're like, what's, what's that? Like, not one person knew there were hearings. Now, I will say, as a pushback to you guys and your, your cynical focus group attitudes, uh, the January 6th hearings did great. Like, January 6th hearings had better ratings than, like, the NBA, than any NBA game this year. Yeah. kind of makes me sad. And they're, just, they're missing the beautiful game, Nicole Jokic, MVP, two years. But, like, like there was, the January 6th ratings did really quite well, I thought. But yet still not well enough to... to, to yeah, but penetrate there, there the was, Pennsylvania swing voter. Well, and in the groups that I did after that, I'm sure you noticed this too. People, were, I, I'd always ask this question: um, What issues is the media covering too much, and what issues aren't the media covering enough? And um, every single group said January 6th as too much, even as they were also saying, like, you know, hold Trump responsible. Republicans are crazy. It was horrible. I'm scared it might happen again. Like they cared about it. But they thought it was getting too much. They cared instead, like more about like email practices. But email, like, yeah, exactly. That's that's yeah. They're really documents. About. <laughs> but that's the thing that you have to remember is that even though that's true, right? Like you basically number one, it tells you how high the frequency has to be for people to know about something. And so when you're thinking about campaigns or persuasion or whatever, like you just have to think about like you got to hit people so many times before they like register that something's a thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's important. That's important to know. But they're not. They are still persuadable. They are still like the frequent. Like I think that before, prior to the January six hearings, people didn't know they were going to happen, and then they like did, and it was a big deal. And but I, once I started talking to people during the January six hearings, they did all know they were going on. Like once they had gotten underway, and so that's just a matter of, you know, the frequency being high. Yeah. Um, I want to move on to California politics oh, a little fun. bit. And then we have a fun ending segment for you, which you're really going to hey, enjoy. Hold on. Can I ask him one question, though, really quickly? Oh, yeah, sorry. Go, go for it. So, because I have a... I mean, I'm in the host chair. I'm but sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I, but just really quick. Because I really wanted to ask this, but I was on his show, and so I couldn't, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Really tell, ask him things. Uh, so we both heard from all these voters, you just described it, I've described it a million times, uh, asking swing voters, you know, who were they going to vote for? And they were mad at Joe Biden. They were mad about inflation and supply chain and things suck and everything else. And then you're like, but are you going to vote for Blake Masters? And they're like, absolutely not. Right. Okay. And that bore out in 22. We saw that that manifested. What are the Democrats going to do when Republicans like Glenn Youngkin destroyed in that race because he was remotely normal. Now, Republicans looked at that playbook, saw the 12-point swing, and said, let's do the exact opposite in every state in 2022. But, like, let's say they were, like, smarter than that going forward at all, maybe. 
hypothetically. Yeah. What would Democrats do if they weren't running against the most batshit crazy people on the planet and they had to, like, get plan? voted for? I mean, we'd probably lose some elections. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, you start running against really good candidates, you don't do as well. But I mean, um, like, really good. Like, I'm talking, like, baseline, I just put on a sweater vest and sound remotely normal. Yeah, no. Like, look, I, I think that the, the Youngkin-McAuliffe race is instructive there. It's like we nominated Terry McAuliffe, who had, I like Terry McAuliffe, okay? Well, I, yeah, I'm well, sorry. all of us Let in D.C., right? Terry like, McAuliffe yeah, well, is he's great. Fun. great. He's fun. Great guy. Very fun. But like, he brought like a Malibu <laughs> onto TV one time. He had a kegerator in the governor's office. He isn't a socialist. He likes the free market economy. What's not to like about Terry McCullough? I'm in. I'm in on Terry. Thanks for doing this, John Favreau. We haven't <laughs> even gotten to the hot seat portion of the program yet. Hey there, this is JVL. To hear the rest of the show, come and join us and become a member of Bulwark Plus 